yes, it's Rossi on Wrestling. I am your host, Jason D. Well, Jason Rossi, at Jason D. Rossi. And with me, as always, is my podcast partner in the podcast sphere. <laughs> it's not what, even... <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm, we say I mess up the intro when it's a made-up intro, but I still can't get it right. But it's anyways, your tag team partner. Oh, yeah, tag team partner. And boy... Am I fucking excited this week? Right, you know what? what a week. It must be mean that we're not talking WWE, but this is yes. at Billy D twenty four eleven. It's Billy Biceps. Billy D, how goes it? So well, we'll just get this out of the way early. Yeah. Uh, the Jabberknocker calls. Oh my me. good. <laughs> they, if there was one podcast we were talking about this week, I didn't think it would be theirs, but continue. They call me um, Billy uh, TV's own Billy Delaney because Ooh. I watch a lot of TV. Oh, TV's which, own. Well, they I can like. buy that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But I also might change my Twitter name because I thought Ooh. of this. Okay, I'm listening. Um, Mr. Possibility D. Mr. Possibility. Billy D. Mr. Possibility. All right, no? the, here's the deal. You're going to put a poll up before you leave. <laughs> yeah. And then when people hear this, they have to vote on it. All right, fair enough. So yes or no to not Mr. your handle, Poss- just the way it looks. Yeah, whatever the, like, the back cracker. Yes, yeah, so like I'm not the, the, the Doctor the, Gilmore, yes. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah great shout, Billy is just yeah, shout out. It's like name dropping. <laughs> um, but listen, today's podcast. Whenever you're listening to this, by now, what is taking the wrestling world by storm? We all know it's the Brock Party. Oh my so God. we're just gonna talk an hour. Maybe plus, maybe less of just Brock Lesnar. Two things: a, not knowing the rules of the Money in the Bank, God. and b, it's not like knowing Donald which. Donald McNabb not knowing the rules of overtime, and b, not knowing which side of the boombox you listen to. Oh my God, it was hilarious. Speaking Honestly, of, that was great though. The boombox was great. Speaking of Don McNabb, Donovan McNabb. Last week I saw Sinbad, comedian. Yeah. Hilarious. Yep. Great. Uh huh. I feel like you're not buying in. Where's the connection? Because before I went there, I was at Rock Bottom in Boston, and I was watching some ridiculous talk show, uh, like ESPN show, and they said Donovan McNabb believes he should be a Hall of Famer because he has better numbers than Troy Aikman. Uh, he's a borderline one anyway. Oof. Hall of Fame? Borderline. I'm not it's saying not the he WWE Hall be, of Fame. Yeah, it's not the baseball uh, Hall of Fame either, where everybody gets any even Craig Biggio. No, Oof. football's pretty close at this point. Like, you know what, no. Dunbar Navy, just get a job at the NFL Network and you're a Hall of Famer. Pretty much. I mean, I think that's like the. Paul Davis is a Hall of Famer. He was the most dominant player in the league for three years. That's the same <sighs> argument you can make for Jim Rice. Oh yeah, I, I, Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer. Kurt Warner is a Hall of Famer. I think the quarterback position, they're just letting it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. These, Anyways, well, we, let's debate uh, some wrestling stuff. We could do that all day. I could like get so frustrated because then we start talking about right. some of the words. Like, Tim Raines is a Hall of Famer in baseball. Yep. Tim Raines. Yeah. Craig even, Biggio's worse. Yeah, but Craig Biggio at least, like, nothing. The, I, the I, just said we, I, I just said we're getting yeah. away from it and I could get right into it. Tim Raines is the worst of all time. Any Hall know. of Fame anywhere. I don't know. Craig yeah. Biggio is really bad. Craig like, Biggio, is, you know is, who Craig Biggio is. Yeah, but he is like. Tim Raines, you wouldn't even know. I know who Tim Raines is. You're pretending. He was a more explosive player. Craig Biggio was literally just the standard of being good. Around. For 20 Being years. there. He was like the Tim Meadows of Saturday Night Live, oh, just exactly. There. But you know, ladies, man, trick bottle of Great movie and great, great, great shot of Kelly Kapowski, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. I think that was her full name still at the time. And ladies, man, the movie. I never saw ladies, man. Woo! There's Tiffany Amber Thiessen in that movie was outstanding. I think I'm probably gonna outrage some people right now. I never saw uh, White Hot American Summer. Never saw. Never saw that. Yeah. I Watch never... a TV show though. Oddly enough. Yeah. I uh, never saw Reservoir Dogs. Never saw it either. Have the DVD. Ooh. What else? Give me one more. And I've seen enough of it to say like I know it, uh, but this is a big one. Uh, 
Pulp Fiction. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. That's that of all the but movies I know, you just like, said. But I know like enough of it. Put another poll up on top of your poll and see which of those three movies you should see first. First, yeah, yeah. I would I, say because everybody's like, oh, you've seen every movie, and I've seen a lot of movies and sure. TVs. But like when I say like those people, are like what? Aren't you at the point now where there's so much? like content and movies and TV shows like Netflix, Hulu's and Amazon's that like it's hard to still be like that type of person. Like I've seen everything. It really is. There's so much out there like I want to watch Russian Dolls and all that kind yep. of stuff too. And it's just I mean I, I like to watch my old episodes of, old episodes of Psych all the time still. Well that, that's like and that's like a fall asleep for you? Like oh, you pop I that mean, on to go to bed? I, no. Spongebob is my fall asleep. I'll just watch like the, the whole episode. I won't fall asleep to it. Oh really? Yeah. See How I Met Your Mother when that was on Netflix was my go to fall asleep show. That's a good one. And then now I just I have raw. Actually it's funny. If I turn on my television That's my, in my go bedroom. To sleep show. <laughs> That's <laughs> so current product. Yeah. But I just turn on my network's just running all the time I guess on my fire stick right now. So if I turn on in my bedroom there's just a random raw probably right now somewhere in the year 2001. Oh, We're probably cool. at the invasion. So it's just playing 24-7. It started like last Friday. I think it just keeps going. Yeah it is. Mm. I, Is that we, more interesting? Maybe. So, uh, yeah, we talked a little there, Brock Lesnar, the 24, I mean, the, the money in the bank thing. It's just, they, that I was, was going to. hilarious. But let me say this. I was going to lose my mind. Obviously, you know, the big topic we'll get to is involves John Moxley, AEW, but I was going to flip out. I was watching the Bruins game one and they knew when the commercial, I mean, the end of periods were. Because when I first flipped over. You really think they're programming, counter-programming the Stanley Cup? It's not even on regular TV. It's I do. NBC Sports. I think at least they knew where to put certain markers uh, just in case people were flipping. Uh, That's what they're thinking. People are flipping. I was the first time ever, and Raw was my secondary program for the first time in a long time since maybe like a Patriots Monday Night Football. They counter-programmed because as soon as I flipped the channel when the first period ended... Brock Lesnar's music hit. He was coming out to choose his Money in the Bank opponent. First of all, one of the dumbest segments I've ever seen that he didn't know the rules. I mean, I think they might have been playing it up. Well, here's the good part about it. This, in the last eight, nine, ten, whatever days where you've listened to this, when Brock won the Money in the Bank, following that win, he's shown more character and more, like, vulnerability. When, when Brock wants to do something, he's awesome. There's there's a reason, and again, they said it on the drop market, but there is a reason why he's so loved and respected and, like, Vince loves him and all that. He was great. He still can be great when he wants to be great. You can see it in his face. He's having the time of his fucking life. This is what he... So he's decided... He's done with MMA. This is it now, and I think he's bought into it. So he's like, you want me to go out there and do something? Like, he probably had some sort of say in this and he's what 43 i'm guessing yeah. 41 40 but somewhere in that 41 area. to 43 he might even be a little younger but he's over 40 i know that i've seen that before because i know when jericho put a post up seen it so he think about it so let's just go back when was that 30 years ago the boombox era the boombox era oh yeah like 30 Fat years boys. yeah all uh, that so yeah. he was probably like 10 years old so that was cool to him. So in his head, this is cool to him. And Vince McMahon, you know, he's like, I love it. We know oh, a lot about my. Vince McMahon now. And oh, dumb boy. Ideas. He sure does. But, but, like, it all, this also, what we'll talk a lot about is how good of a performer, how good the, how much of the performance is bought into by the performer. And I think this Brock Lesnar, whatever you want to say about it, it's a little hard to go from the guy who is just dominating at all times. Uh, I'm a little hot. Uh, to the guy that is now, like kind of being like a caricature as a heel but it's better like it, I i'm not disagreeing i'm just saying it's right different yeah, yeah yeah i mean the segment overall was stupid i thought raw was pretty bad so i just want to say this about it i was so i was going to flip my lid if they said which you know the plan was going to be for him to cash in on seth Rollins. so seth Rollins had a title match at this saudi arabia show because Oof. it is 
as big as, if or not bigger. bigger no, than they're, they're saying like the main claim is it's going to be better or at least as good. Which is going to be I hard. I think they said at least as good or better. Like, they're never yeah. saying it's going to be less than. But anyways, if that was going to be the case, I was going to flip my lid. Because that means within two weeks, the money in the bank, which is one of the better things WWE has, would be gone. Both yeah. of them. And we've said it before in this program on uh, the old podcasts. You know, check the archives if we still have them. We do. Um, yeah. Like, this is the... I don't want them to use it on Brock Lesnar, but this is the best use for Brock Lesnar. And, dude, that part of it's entertaining. I completely agree. He's one of the most interesting parts of Raw. It just sucked the way they they said he was going to announce it. Then he comes out and he gets mad at Heyman because he didn't know it lasts for a year. But it was character. It was goofy. And then he laughed. He laughed it off. And he basically said to Seth and, and Kofi, like, yeah, I'm going to wait this baby out and peace out. All right. I'm down with that. I love it. Like, not seeing the rest of the show, I'm down with that. The fact that I thought you would probably see him again. But I guess, I don't know. Like, you thought maybe the end of the night with the Sami Zayn stuff. I, oh, God. I passed. I passed on that. that. I didn't what see it till that? that was all Twitter videos for me this week. Coming off of AEW, knowing it was going to be a holiday week, even I and the Bruins, like, being, like, what I do for a living and just excitement, I was like, I'm going to leave wrestling on the back burner here and just see what comes out of it. So I saw that. I saw the Firefly Funhouse, which I thought was a bounce back as Oh, well. totally bounce back. Back in the actual... Funhouse. Yeah, I thought that was very good. But again, now after listening to Dean Ambrose, and man, I'm just patting myself on the back after that fucking podcast. Wait till we get to that part oh, of the show. It is a I'll give you victory a lap. I'll give you a pat. It in is the face. a victory lap. I am very worried that the second that Vince McMahon sees this is a big thing, he's going to get his hooks in it and it's going to go straight down the hill. But this was a great bounce back week, and I actually got some inside info. Ooh. About Breaking the Bray news. Wyatt uh, Firefly Funhouse that, uh, I don't know what I can say exactly, but like all Wait, of those were taped say. at once. So like, Why right, couldn't you say that? I don't know. I, I didn't know if I could be actually put the words. No, I, I just said. Oh, I gotcha. So everything that we have seen so far has all been, it was a one filming session. Yes, so far, I believe. Interesting. Is this due to sources or someone you know? Sources. Ooh. Okay. So does that do you know? Is there more to come that will be filmed, or everything that we're going to see till potentially his character debuts has been filmed? I don't know. I don't. I'm, but you these just aren't good sources. But like. But so the four, no, these are very seen, good sources. But I don't know. That's what I know. That like so all I think we've seen up to so seven, far, right? Yeah. Seven of them. Uh, no, that no, last one last week was terrible. Yeah. I'm no, I think know. it is. I think is it's it seven? seven. I think so, but. It's six or seven, but either way. So we've seen everything we've seen has been taped already. Yes. Okay. Which is good and bad. That means whatever their original creative was, they're running with it, which is very rare. Yep. Like called long term storytelling. But that also, they're known to reshoot stuff. And maybe Bray knew that he could never reshoot something like that. So they're just like, hey, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm still, intrigued by that. I'm that still, actually makes me more interested. I'm still very excited by this. So hopefully they don't fuck it up. Yeah, and there's a good chance they might, but we'll see. I think my goal for this, let's quickly, my goal would be I want to see this throughout the summer. And I think keep Bray burning. Russell gets, or maybe he does have to debut debut somewhere in the summer. SummerSlam would be no, fine with me. But like where he comes out, when do we see what, maybe whether it be The Fiend or, or Bray Wyatt on camera again. It probably will be the summer because that's their dip time. Like there's no competition. Quote unquote. I would put him out in different spurts, in different characters. Like, if he's going to be like these seems three characters, maybe. Definitely, definitely the masked guy. Two. Two. Unless the original Bray is somewhere still in there. Yeah, it seems like the, the fiend guy is not the masked guy. Is, the, is No, the masked guy is the fiend. Is the fiend. Okay. So. Mr. Yeah. Feeny. Re- yeah. Release them at different points. Release what's his name into the world. Um, and then release 
the Fiend into the world a little bit later. Like, I want a Firefly Funhouse on Raw backstage or at the top of the thing where it's like it's there the whole time like it's it's part of the set the whole time you just never know when you just never know when he's gonna come out and he's gonna interview like you said like titus o'neill or like finn balor or somebody maybe not even finn balor to start i wanted to start off real slow yeah so me you know what he'll probably be if you want him to be real slow probably be in the 24 7 title oh my god he's just like wandering backstage I will inside. say they're trying their best, but it's not working. Uh, the I wouldn't whole, say it's not working. The yet. whole thing was so stupid where Roman Reigns is like, here, pin him. Yeah, that was dumb because it just showed the devaluation of the it's belt. Like, just... why wouldn't Roman Reigns? Like, you know what would have been actually good if Roman Reigns won it? Yeah. That give the rub to the belt and then somebody like our truth just sneaks him up in a in a in a roll up. It's just like I like these guys are taking you know trying to put lipstick on the pig, taking the ball and running with it, but it's just such a bad thing to make them have to do. Yeah, it's. I, and I don't know. We I... we have now gotten a real nice light shined on this fucking ridiculous company. So. Yeah, let, do you want to talk? Let's do AEW. Do you talk, yeah, let's talk let's double, or, double or nothing real quick. So, double or nothing. Uh, who outstanding. Got, who got it? Raise your hands. I did. You? I, I got it. We didn't end up talking, but uh, I know, yeah, yeah. now we're going to fight. We to, are? To the death. All right, here we go. Because we both probably spent $50. Yeah, we did. But you know what? I will say this. 60. I'm proud of... 60? 60. No, it's 50. I bought it on BR Live. Oh, all right. Fair enough. And you, and you get like, don't you get like breaks? I don't know. Breaks on, you know, the way you, you're you from your parents. Don't yeah, they get yeah, you 30 yeah. bucks? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Every so, time I order wrestling, but my <laughs> mom says you go, money. Billy. <laughs> I know you like that wrestling. Anyways, uh, let's jump right in the beginning of the show. The First of all, the production, everything about it looked good. Very, oh, go ahead. I will say. There are glaring holes in the AEW product. And the production value was high, but the directing, there was like a lot of stuff that I was like, they missed that key shot, they missed that key shot. Entrances were shot. very weird. Yeah. And you know what? I, they, they missed the Brandy Rose hitting Dustin with in the head, and they never actually Oh, the, in the head, but the spear they got. They got the spear, but the, like, I the knew, part yes. that busted them open. So the interesting part about this is... They had a, it was a, if you ever watch any TNA pay-per-views, the Slamboree's, the Bound for Glories, the very few pay-per-views that people may ever watch from TNA, if you go look at them on YouTube, this was very much set up like a TNA pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. And that's not a bad thing. The TNA doesn't have that same stink. It's just kind of like out there now. But TNA is good now. It's it's one of the better wrestling, probably. Impact Wrestling, I don't watch as much. I'm not as involved. But like Brian Cage, I got some really good guys over there. But when I'm watching this, that's what it reminded me of, first of all. And second of all, we got into this over the top. What was it called? The Casino Bo- the casino Battle, Battle Royale. Royale. I will say this. If people are very like judgy when it comes up. It's new, so everyone likes it. I kind of like the idea of yeah. the card flipping these five guys, those five guys. I just wish we saw more of it, like behind the scenes. Like the Royal Rumble. I want to see the like people picking oh, their numbers. I don't see that anymore. It and this would have been cool if like, That's here's a card. That's one of those things go, where like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, this is how we show WWE what you're doing wrong. Yes. Like, give me a little more backstage. Probably timing issues. First show, very minor. I did love the, did you see the Daniel Bryan kicks? The very the, dainty ones. Yes. Oh, that was fucking money. I loved it. So, I, I, we can't get into all the superstars in that ring, but there was so much going on. Oh, yeah. It what was his the, name from WCW, the, the, the fucking snow Glacier. Guy? Glacier. Oh. Glacier was in there. Yeah. Um, obviously, the breakout star of this match was MJF. He is basically... He's great. He's, he's from the area. He is. And he is someone that has wrestled locally. He is someone that has been involved with... He was in WWE's like minor league system. There's a lot of videos going around. I think he was in a backstage segment with Samoa Joe and NXT entrance one time. Like He was a security guard. 
just so you know, anytime you see a security guard in wrestling, those are all local wrestlers. And sooner or later, one of them in the 15 times you see them is going to be a star. So MJF was in there. Bobby Roode was. uh, Tommaso Ciampo played uh, an attorney against Undertaker. was one of the guys in line for John Cena's entrance. Um, Obviously the famous one, but you could see their faces with Sasha, Sasha, Alexa Bliss. But MJF... Just great heel. And this oh. has been going on. And see, here's the one thing that AEW has way over any other company. They've built this stuff up through different podcasts or YouTube channels. So MJF, you've been hearing about this guy's name if you listen to something to wrestle with. <coughs> so, like, Conrad, who runs the um, wrestle... Well, I can't think of the name of those events all of a sudden that they run... All in, the double or nothing. Yeah, but the, the, the um, event that WrestleCon... Yeah, it's, called, it's not called WrestleCon, but anyways, um, StarCast. So they will, um, when he has those, he said, like, MJF is banned. He's not allowed in the building. F that guy. He's not allowed. And, like, you're hearing this in the middle of content with him with the several hosts that he has now. And then it was just showing great heel work. Everybody hates him in a good way. He's like the Miz a few years ago. He's what EC3 was, speaking about TNA, yeah, when he, he was in TNA. He Impact. is really good, though. He's smooth on the mic. He is. He's almost, he's got the Miz face. Hmm. Wait a second, did you just say smooth on the mic? Yeah. Do you want to know why? Why? Because he probably isn't having anybody help him with it. Yes, and He's I think just that's just going another, out there and doing we'll, it. We'll get into all that. And but We'll oh jump man. ahead one thing with him. With, the, with Bret Hart, could you, oh, could you so find... So good. It was just so... So good. It just shows like, Look out, Brett. Yeah. I just oh. got me scared. We did. Yeah. He's like, there's a guy coming after you. Great heat. I even got mad. Like, it was great. But the the star of the match ended up coming out to be Adam Hangman Page. This guy is a stud. He has been, if you watch any of the New Japan stuff, any of the Being the Elite, anything, he is the guy. And clearly they care for him because he won this thing. He is now a number one contender for the first ever AEW championship match. Yeah. I'm very excited to get to know him better. Good showing in the match. So we'll see what happens. And you know how he connects well with fans? There is He has a character that you don't see anywhere in wrestling. Oh, Old Town Road. Honestly, a cowboy. What happened? Southern cowboys are like throughout the history of wrestling. Make it a comeback. You know what? But WWE just is, ignores that. He needs to pair up Honest to God with uh, Little Nas X, who right now mm-hmm. is my favorite person who's ever lived. Okay, that's a bit dramatic, but I like his style. You see all the videos Wait, he's this new name we're going to put? Yeah, oh, that was great. And the kids singing amazing. the song. But it is kind of funny. Like, I don't, I guess it's on a, t- like, he just says boobies at one point. Yeah, but that's fine. I bet you don't even know that. Lean all in my bladder. I don't even know what lean is. I know that's like the, like the drink that they take with. Oh, like is that codeine. what he, is that what they meant? Yeah, it's like lean. I thought he was saying like just the way he leans. Lean I don't, all I in my bladder. I love this guy. Love him. And if and if he does open up for uh, the Patriots home opener this year, we're oh, going. Tom Brady, do we, yeah. we're going. I'm gonna leave once the game starts. I just want to see him. <laughs> Oh, it'll be a banner in there too. Uh, but that match was really good. It was cool to see a lot of different faces in there, like the Glacier, all that. Then you had. We well, probably skip to. We'll just get to. Well, let, let me just quickly say SoCal Uncensored with Christopher Daniels as a part of this match. It's pretty Chris, good. Christopher Daniels has been wrestling for like 30 oh, years. Oh, he's a stud. I know him. He was recently a Ring of Honor him. champion. Yeah, yeah. He's someone that WWE just never gave the ball to. I think he was involved way back with FCW or one of those. He just couldn't get it. They went up against was known as the Strong Hearts. It was just a trio of Japanese or Chinese wrestlers. It was just great. Yeah, that is match. just guys going out there and wrestling and telling stories within the ring. Then you had the women's, what was a three-way set up for a four-way with the Awesome, awesome Kongs. Kong. Awesome. And I love the Brandy Rhodes setup because I even said it. This is the second match on the main card. And Brandy Rhodes came out. I'm like, this is so Stephanie McManus. What are they doing? It still was. It still was. It's one of my, my small criticisms. But when she brought out Awesome Kong, she's like, I told you this. I wanted to have a great match where it could be an awesome match. 
Awesome Kong comes out. People go nuts. It was a pretty good match, too. It was it a was. clunky. It, w- it was fine. It wasn't outstanding. The one thing that AEW will not have and will take a long time to get to WWE standards is the women. Like, it's just the women because wrestlers. Bailey and what's her name was actually a phenomenal match. Lacey Evans. Great match. And you have Charlotte, who's probably the, one of the best performers in all of wrestling. You have Becky Lynch, one of the hottest things yeah. going. Alexa Bliss. So you could run down the roster, the Iconics. There are so many good, talented people. That is why. I'm just, I'm going to be very yeah. interested. And you had Dr. Britt Baker, Baker with the win, yeah. who is literally a dentist. Yeah. Like DDM. a natural dentist. DMD? DDS. DDS. There it is. Uh, then you had the best friends. This is actually, I think, the match of the night for me. It was really good. Because it was a match you spot had. Spot fest, but you, it was really good. You probably had no expectation, and it was a spot fest. And that is not usually my style, but this match was just really cool. It was great. There was a lot of moves I'd never seen before. I liked that little skinny kid who was going nuts. He sold me with his expressions. And this is the only oh, real criticism. Chuck Taylor. Oh, it was great. This is the only real criticism I have of AEW's first night from a wrestling standpoint is. Yeah. A lot of great spots. A couple of good times in the match where I'm like, ooh, the match could end here. Like, they, they had me on the edge of my seat a little bit, but I'm just going to go back to, like, the Usos, Velveteen Dream, and that match he had with, what's his name, Matt Riddle. WWE does get the storytelling inside of a ring, with especially with those top guys that really know how to tell a story, better. Because there were so many points. I went back just to double-check. I watched the Matt Riddle-Velveteen Dream match, and I was on the edge of my seat again still. These were just, like... Great matches, just crazy spot fest. I like That's, a little more storytelling well, in every match. If I can, not to defend it, listen, you're 100% right. This, If you watch this card, you got a little bit of everything, but this is more, this is what, when people say indie wrestling, this is indie wrestling. It is more spot fest. It is the wow factor. It's how can we keep you entertained. This match was 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Felt like it was 20. Not in a bad way, just like if you go back, they seem like there was so, so many bookmarks to it. But this is what indie wrestling is. These yes, are what these guys which, are out there to and do. And Cody said it after, and I thought he was spot on. It's the thing Eric Bischoff says. You want to give them a buffet of wrestling yes but when he did that in WCW those cruiserweight matches were spot fests as well but the story was smooth and told and it built I think that to me it's just like the one criticism I have especially no, the can, same thing in the young more. Yeah, yeah the same thing in the young bucks match See, like I, that young bucks I, I match agree. felt like it was 55 minutes long because of did. all the shit that happened and it's like dude there's so many things here like I'm it's like sensory overload like slow it down a little but that's, make it tell a story a little bit more and that's what they're going to try to do here with especially because you notice the two matches we're talking about are tag team matches oh, yeah. they're going to highlight tag teams that is the one thing that there is if when tag team wrestling is good there is maybe nothing better than it because there's so many guys and things you can do and like the actual warfare of the match where it's I, not a yeah, one on one I want the Usos and I really want uh, what's their name Revival? Guys to go to AEW just so they can give that little WWE-ness that it kind of needs when it's going to be on TV yeah, like and have amazing matches with these guys obviously I don't the Usos, but you never know. But the Revival, I think, is a more realistic than not. Like, just sometime in the future. Yeah. Uh, so then you had the uh, the Japanese women six-way. That was crazy. Uh, Six-woman tag, which was crazy. And the one thing the commentary got over for me, and we can get into the commentary in a second, was they said all these women aren't friends. Like, the yeah. three on one side, three on... It was just like a wild card match. Almost like an old-school Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Just three on this side, three on that side. And I actually found that more compelling. Because it kind of showed... than, like, say, we're buddies tonight. To yeah. Deal that they like, go and raw every fucking Exactly. Fire. There was no problem. They were just like, we're putting you three together and you three together. They didn't put three faces together and three heels from reading more about it. those Some of those are heels, some of those are faces intermixed. What did you think about the commentary? Because I didn't like it. Here's what I liked. Jim Ross... I like thought it. an excellent. I thought he did an excellent job, especially, and well, for me, he did a great job with his selling. He does sound old because he is old, in oh, my yeah. opinion. Excalibur, I'm all in on that guy. I don't like him. Alex Marvez was my issue. 
He was like the one who kind of looked odd. No offense to him, like when they were like doing the camera. Yeah, like he just—he was the one on the left-hand side. He was the one I'm, not wearing a mask, not Jim Ross. That guy. <laughs> I thought Excalibur was a stud. To I didn't me. like him. See, I really enjoyed him and Jim Ross. Like, if it's just those two, I think it would sell uh, me. People were like, "Oh, he's showing why he's the best color guy." I'm like, Meh, I didn't really see it. He was kind of not smooth. Well. You know what? Maybe that's why you've seen every time we talk about a promo that's all stuttery and all that. Like, I like Ronda Rousey promos. Like, sometimes I like fine. it because it's real. Like, yeah, it I, is real, but he wasn't like... He it wasn't very good. Well, yeah, because I watched NXT, a lot of NXT this week, and I was just like, oh, this is how you do it. These are the guys. I mean, even Beth Phoenix can prove. We can, oh, uh, we can discuss that because we can have that conversation another time as well because we're going to have a big NXT uh, pay-per-view or event coming up. But here's the interesting part about those guys. Like, I feel like they didn't have people in their ear telling them what's next. No, they didn't. And that's good and bad. In NXT, it just feels, and I know NXT gets like the, the is like the polished, everyone feels great about it, even if it isn't that good at times. NXT feels like they just do it right. The way you should talk in their ears, like mostly focus on the action. Oh, yeah. Hey, don't forget to mention this later. Where this just felt like it was just all the action. So maybe that sometimes as a fan, I notice it like they were never going ahead. There's Which a, I like. I don't need to too. hear anything. But Ever. sometimes I think as a fan, you're like, oh, well. I'm just, I don't know. I know it almost like was like a st- like a weird syndrome I was having. Like, well, what, are they going to talk about something else? Like, it was almost so refreshing. It felt weird. It's like when you're so hot, you're cold. Yeah, fair enough. Did that make any sense? No, not at all. So but then I'm the next match, well, well, then we had Cody and Dustin. Which and I thought was great. The ma- See, this is what wrestling to me when it's at its best. The match, not a five-star classic. Cody Rhodes, not an, oh my God, you have to see a Cody Rhodes match. But no. the storytelling in the ring with the two brothers and the blood... Are you kidding me? That was so compelling. As soon as the blood came out and he looked like he wasn't going to be able to wrestle. Crimson Mask. It was awesome. It was so good. The the storytelling in the ring, the blood in the band brothers. Like, I don't know. I just felt like everything about this match was really, really well done. And then the promo after. Promo after was great. I even, like, a lot of people had mixed thoughts on him destroying the Triple H thing. He said it. He he gave a great, like, 10-minute interview after the thing on, like, so many great things about, you know, racism and equality. All that stuff was great. Handled it like a a champ. He also said, like, I'm going to tell stories. That's what I'm strong at. And I'm not going to, you know, they're not competition, but we're going at them. Well, first of all, the fact that what you're talking about, they did post-game press conferences. But they did it. He did it out of character. But still, it, they did. If you go Which to AEW's YouTube, yeah. But the, if you play both sides, here's the one that well, because he was playing like the executive in that one. Yeah. Like there's a great one with John Moxley, which we'll get to. There's a great one with Chris Jericho talking about how, like they're like the company and they're the 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 money. But the one thing Cody Rhodes said too was this wasn't a shot at Triple H in WWE directly. It was Triple H is older. Triple H is like. The like he really is like behind the scenes the guy. Yeah, the guy and he was saying like for me I'm not done being a wrestler where those guys are, like done being wrestlers they just come in sp- like specialty so that was his way of saying like I'm not sitting on this crown I'm not that's not who I am I'm not the king of like this whole thing I'm still an in ring competitor that's another criticism I have a little bit for this is he was so well spoken afterwards everything he said I was like I agree with that I agree with that that's really smart I love that. But it's also, I really don't want that from a guy who's going to be the top guy or one of the top guys in the promotion, See, too. I don't think giving, he's going to be a top guy. Oh, yeah, he is. I, obviously, he'll be in the in 
the mix, but I think, well, well, well let's just wrap up here. So, Young Bucks, we kind of talked about that, versus Lucha Brothers. Goddamn, the Lucha Brothers. Same, Those guys. The Pentagon, I didn't really know about, I mean, I knew a little bit about him from, like, he was, like, a big-time singles guy. Yeah, Pentagon Jr. was recently a, a TMA, an Impact uh, champion. Unbelievable. The Young Bucks are phenomenal, so that was... I Surprising mean, that the Young Bucks held on to those titles because yeah, it's, a, it's a sure Mexican it. yeah. title. And then you had Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Great which match. is a really good match. It was another one of those things. Like you said, it's a buffet. It was a hard one to follow a couple of those. Like a really emotional match with Cody and Dustin. The Young Bucks with that fast pace and then these guys. But it was a great spotlight for someone like Kenny Omega. A surprise ending with I thought Jericho winning. But yeah, I, I, I get no, it. no, I knew I, I, I would have called that. See, I thought for sure it'd be Omega because then you'd get Omega Page and these two new stars. But no, you want the, you want the, you, the crazy heel. You want the heel and you want the big name in Chris Jericho. So you're gonna get Jericho, Adam Hangman Page for the title after the match. I didn't know what was going on with Omega's nose. I didn't realize he broke it. Like obviously, I saw that it was bleeding yeah. at times, but. Um, you know, Jericho takes to the mic. I'm thinking, where are we going here? And he's saying, you know, you should all be thanking me. There was no TV deal without me. All that stuff. I want to thank you. The crowd starts roaring. Down come down the the arena comes, comes wacky John, waving flail. Get out of here! It comes Johnny Mo- John Moxley. Un- I was going nuts. I wasn't. I was like, this guy fucking blows. Oh, get out of here! Fuck this guy and his goofy little like. Wiggles. I loved. Ev- oh, he did, but that still was always his characteristics. Ah, uh, get get rid of your DDT too. Yeah, well, that you can argue about. I don't care about his finishing move as much, but he shows up. DDTs. Uh, Jericho. DDTs a referee. Goes for Omega. They fight. Gets onto the poker chips. DDT. It was just a great ending. Cool way to end the show. What a big surprise! Huge pop. Gets the whole world buzzing about John. Freaking Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose. And then the Talk is Jericho podcast, which they recorded beforehand. Which I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I wonder if they're trying to save face on that. Well, either Because he was just trying to be like, you know, I'm a heel. It was like a wrestling game. But like almost. 180, I flipped on Dean Ambrose. 180. I mean, so, he has to prove it to me now in the ring, but I'm totally bought in. I'm all in on this dude now. Oh, good, good pun. But I would say, so he talked about everything. So I actually, before you got here, I was listening to the CM Punk. Obviously, that's like four hours of podcast, but I only listened to, I was skimming through the hours. Dean Ambrose is a more mature version of CM Punk. Oh, way more. Like, I don't even think it's like, he had the exact same feelings, but he handled it like an actual man, whereas CM Punk handled it like, no offense to Bret Hart, like Bret Hart, like a little bitchy, whiny, little. Because the way that he talked about it, and I was in his very similar position for a long time at the place I used to work. Oh, we keep talking like, about this. I feel... Are you talking about Dean Ambrose? Dean Ambrose. I feel his pain. I feel what he was doing. And I was always the guy where, I don't want to do this. It's stupid. But I am going to make this the best version of this. Because I felt like him. It's like, I'm... I'm and he's in a little different spot. Like, of course, but it's relatable. But, yeah, he, he probably had like more leeway than I did. At the end of the day, I had to do it. But I was literally in a... Sp- same spot like I wasn't the talent but I was filming the talent and I had a producer or you know a top executive being like just say this line say it it's a great line and like the guy was just like no I'm not saying that line and like like he just broke him down broke him down and eventually he's like I gotta say this line and he said it and I could see the talent's soul just being crushed under the weight of saying one of the dumbest things 
I've ever heard anybody have to say on camera. And I was just like, oh my God. And like the way Dean Ambrose was telling the story, it's the same thing. You Like I felt for this guy because I always thought like, and he sold it. I was like, oh, this guy likes this ridiculous, terribly lame character he's been playing for a few years now. In the thing for me, so I've been a Dean Ambrose guy since, so I was first introduced to him. I'd never watched CZW. I never watched any of the independent stuff, but I heard about him because he was going to have a feud with... Uh, uh, with um, Mick Foley. So he was in NXT or FCW at the time and I was hearing this name Dean Ambrose and I was like who is this guy because he was it was a Twitter beef between him and Mick Foley in the early days of Twitter. So I went on and I found out who he was I started John Moxie and I watched this guy just doing crazy like bloody matches and like literally like gyms on YouTube. So I've been I'm like oh this guy's in WWE this guy's gonna be awesome and he was for a long stretch of time where the people want, he, when the shield was awesome he was like the, the mouthpiece. They were awesome. I don't care what you say. There's no meh. You were into it. You're just no, looking, back, you're looking back with different colored glasses. No, I really just didn't watch wrestling that much at the time. Oh, okay. Well, then don't meh me. Because you then just say, I didn't see it. Because, oh, F right off. Uh, so then when his solo, when the shield broke up, that's when Dean Ambrose, and he went into this in the podcast, which I loved this part. Dean Ambrose was like my guy at that point because I was like, what a, like the perfect underdog character that everybody's going to root for. And when you hear him say, they had no plan for me. They didn't think I was going to get over. I was probably going to do a feud with Seth and then they probably bumped me down the card. Like yeah, that was the plan. Over. And it's like, he gets over because they don't know how to write for baby faces and they made him the biggest baby face. They don't face. know how to write. They don't know how to tell stories. And I hammer this point home all the time. People think wrestling is some different breed, some different kind of everything. If you listen to Dean Ambrose, the way he told stories, if you've worked in any scenario in your entire life, you've run into people who think they know stuff that they don't know. And he hit the nail on the head over and over and over again. Everything he said about all the stupid shit he had to do where he's knocking on Vince's door where he's saying, I can't say this. This is so stupid. You're going to make me look like an idiot. Why am I doing this? Why is this guy writing it for me? I was just like, yes, yes, yes. Like, they don't know what they're doing. Vince is insulated by idiots like Michael Hayes who are like, oh, this is a good idea. You know, come out and say, what was the stupid line he kept wanting him to say? The pooper pooper scooper? Oh my God. Like, if you don't realize. Well, he didn't want it. It was in the original script. And then he took that out. And then he put in there the line about wearing uh, a gas mask. And then they made that a whole thing. And that's why he became. So it is funny. So I will have to say, I'm a Dean Ambrose fan. Everything he did throughout the run, I was into. But when he was a heel, and we talked about this, and you were burying him, I was like... Because it was terrible. But I was like, you know what? He's doing the best he can with it. The Bane thing was really dumb. And then for him to come out and basically say, that was the worst he's ever... And that's when he knew he had to leave the company. Like, him, that whole character run was him knowing, like, I'll just get through the next 8 to 12 Raws. I can do this. Like, that's insane for it to feel that way. And There's so many things that happen every week where I'm like, this is just lame and bad. And I feel like it's, I said it about the Kofi thing when he had to deliver the, the wild card promo with Vince. I feel bad for them. I really do. Because especially hearing the way that Dean talked about it, where he's like waiting for 45 minutes to talk to Vince. Then he talks to Vince and Vince will just be like, oh, that's great. That's good shit, like pal. That's good shit. That's and I can mean. see it in my head and I'm just like, oh my God, this is a billion dollar company being run by a doddering old fool. 
And the thing more important about than him just being a fool, like, yes, was he a genius? Was he all this? Is he this? Is he that? I'm not going to complain that isn't. What they cut, it's just their business is too strong for them to worry about how they run their operation. They're I think too I brought this big up. to fail. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it, that's such a problem because at the end of the day, you want people, like, if there's the Dean Ambrose's of your workspace, maybe that's you, maybe that's me. When I listen to this podcast, I think about a lot of the complaints I have with my company, and hopefully some of those people are listening. Come talk to me about them. But I have so many issues there. But it's like, I'm not in a Dean Ambrose-like level position. You're not, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, I don't know, but I don't feel like you're not in that Dean Ambrose-like position. Dean Ambrose was a top-tier guy, whether we want to say it or character-wise, but he was. Like, he had probably more ability to go walk into Vince's office than even a Finn Balor or a Shinsuke Nakamura or a Bobby Roode. I'm talking about guys that you know are frustrated. Pretty much everybody but, you know, Triple H. Maybe Seth, Roman, Brock, um, Randy Orton. Yeah, that's that's the best way to say. It. He's a top ten guy. You can add females in there too. But there's some of the stuff you had to say. Is he said in the beginning of this podcast, and you must listen to it. If you are a wrestling fan, if you stumbled upon our podcast, I didn't even want to listen to it because I was like, "Fuck!" I, I was, hate this I guy. forced you. I didn't. I don't like this guy. I don't want to like this guy. It's going to be boring. Everything he does is boring. This was 90 minutes of wrestling porn. It was. It so, was and fucking beautiful. It's talking to right into it. Yes, it, there's no dicking around. He gets right into it. And Chris Jericho talked about because he had a lot of these similar issues with yeah. some of the stuff he wanted to do. He talked about his frustration, and I understand frustration. But with John Moxley. Dean Ambrose talked about here was not just this normal frustration like oh my placement in the card I want to be the top that was CM Punk CM Punk was I don't want to be anywhere but the number one guy I need to be the the actual main event yes which I can understand on a whole nother level Dean Ambrose was just looking for something good to create and be a part of and be a creative person and flourish and you know just be a character and And feel like he was contributing to his job he said I think I have the ability to talk people into a building. No, he does. And But he was just saying. But then he clearly lost that faith because they would give him terrible, terrible storylines and dumb gimmicks. He even brought up what I thought was actually not even that bad. Ketchup and mustard? The, the, that wasn't a good one. But when he like did the crap to the mannequin, he just slyly threw that stuff in there. Like He hated that stuff because he knew how corny it was, but he made it as... As believable and as relatable to an audience, to someone like me, like when he was doing that stuff, even I was like, "Oh, I'm into this." But he said, "But that's his performance." That's why, like half of the time we see stuff, like go back to Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley with his sister's angle, maybe the worst and most embarrassing angle in wrestling in a long time. Like realistically, we can go hyperbole or hyperbole. Alexa, (laughs) which that Bailey Alexa, but that like was trying to be characteristic. Like this is that was like the worst, and neither one of those guys pulled it off. Especially no. not Bobby Lashley. Well, no. I mean, come on. But, like, the way he was talking, he clearly understands wrestling. He knows the psychology of it. And he's got a personality that I'm like, I gravitate towards this guy. I get this guy. I mean, they obviously couldn't write all of the stuff that he was saying in there. But if you display it a little bit more like his... And it, it works every time. It works 100% of the time. It works a million percent of the time. <laughs> when you go at the person's actual character, Kofi Kingston, Becky Lynch, Daniel Bryan... Just bring a little bit of them out. You can relate to these people. And he kept saying that. How, how am I connecting with fans here? How is this relatable? How are we telling a story? He gets it. And the problem is it can never fail with WWE because no matter how bad it is, it's like sitting at a poker table with a guy who has 10 million times more chips than you. Where if like somebody takes 10%, another person takes 10%, another person takes 10%, another person takes 10%, they're still going to have like 50%. And that's way bigger than everybody still. Like they, it's going to take so much for them to realize 
that they're doing things terribly. And I thought one thing that's really important, he came out of this saying, it's not about competition. He just wants to show that Vince McMahon's creative way is not the right way to do it. It's not. And honestly, AEW, we talked about some of our likes, dislikes in it. Like, I thought I gave it five out of six stones for the whole event. But, like, it's not just because, oh, it's new, it's fresh. I just thought it was really well done. It made me feel something. And the length. I'm sorry, that's a whole other reason it was good. It was a little too long. It was, But it was only three hours, like a main card. No, it was like 340. No, main card, not the pre-show. No, no, no. Main card was no. It ended at like eleven, like a little when after I, eleven. When I turned it on, and the royal, uh, the uh, casino battle royal, that's at seven. On, wasn't on there. Yeah, it it was. wasn't on the pay per view that I bought three days later to watch the whole thing. It was three hours and forty-seven minutes. But the pre-show was seven o'clock to eight. Who was on the pre-show? Was the battle royal that was not on there? No, it was. I, I watched. It wasn't live. on the one that I bought. I'm telling well, you. Yeah, I'm uh, telling you. The, but I'm telling you in real life. In real life time, yeah. it was seven o'clock Eastern. 4 p.m. Pacific. That was a battle royale, and then uh, Sabian versus whoever. Those were the two pre-show matches. Yep. Then the main card was eight to about 11, 10, 15. Are you sure? I I was living it. I was living life. I could mm-hmm. actually. Well, it doesn't matter. But either way, it was still this length of time. We're talking compared to WrestleMania. All right, all right, yeah, we're, we were fucking sidetracking like crazy right now. We'll beat each other up about it later. Um. But the thing with John Moxley, what he, he talked about was just the, yeah, the creative process, how it's like, he wants to see that differently. And if you watch anything out of AEW, the creativeness, the creative period was Creativity, just everything. different. And you could tell all those guys, they knew what they needed to do, but they, I don't think these guys were going out there with scripts. And I can prove, well, they know they were because Tony Khan has come out and said, Cody and all them, they don't want scripts. They rather you make a mistake on live television that and like play it off. Bret Hart made a mistake. He laughs. The crowd's into it. That's been a while, guys. Yeah, and that's great. Yes, that's how you it's humanizing. do it. Exactly. So when Bailey or no, not to pick on her, anybody makes a mistake usually in WWE, they do this like, oh sh- like they feel yeah, you that. Roll with oh, the punches. Shit. We used to fix so many things in my old work where somebody would just stumble on a name, and there were old vets who would just be like, "Let me try that again in English," just like a quick like little reset where you'd be like, "Oh, this guy's a human." Like, yeah. you know, I'm sorry. No, let me try it again. Like, that's all you need. You can't, everything isn't perfect in real life. Well, like, to your point, the promos. I mean, Ronda Rousey's, of course, a different color, but I get it. Like, it felt real. It did. And it was a fake thing. It was. <laughs> and, and go to some of the things Dan Ambrose talked about. Uh, of course, we just mentioned some of the characters, some of the promos, the awful things he wanted him to say about Roman Reigns and his cancer. He's like, what are we doing? Like, And then he said, there was a night where he did six promos and he left that oh, night depressed. That night. And he said, I don't even know. And I've looked, obviously, I'm, I went back. I remember it, but I didn't remember all the things he said. And I listened to them all. It made Bray Wyatt during his run seem like coherent. He was just saying things like, Seth, I'm not coming out there because you're amongst all these people and they're all the worst people. And he's, and he's saying to himself, he's like, I don't even feel like that's heat. Well, remember my whole big thing about, you know, I'm not going to tell you why I did it. Then the next week, he kind of tells you why he did it. Then the next week, he tells you why he did it. It was just like... They don't know how to tell a story. They don't feel like sticking to a story. It's just so many things that are just so ridiculously like you can spot them from a mile away. And it's literally a billion dollar stockholder company. And it's what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, this was and you said it's porn. It was really smart porn, too, because all the people like WWE, like the cool thing right now is to hate. And that's fine. But this hateable, though, I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm just saying like that. He really just added fuel to the fire and he didn't do it. And I didn't take it this way. Maybe it's because I like him, but I didn't feel like he did it in this really vindictive, like like CM Punk was vindictive because he also was fired on the day of his wedding. All like there was some real back and but there was he can. But there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of shit going on between them where Dean was just more like, I'm going to tell you what it's like, because you know why I really think he did this? Not more to expose their creativeness. It's to tell those guys in that locker room 
don't stay for the money unless you have to. Because yeah. he said it. His house is paid off. His, his mom's, mom's house is paid car. off. His car. He's got his wife who's going to, let's be real, ain't going to probably be there through whatever her next contract is. Because <laughs> No, because I'll be honest. She's been exposed in a bad way when we said it. She's mean Jean. She's not Bobby the Brain. Like, you put her in that backstage role and she's better. Yeah. I mean, I would just... If I were her, I know ESPN's been wanting to have her on TV forever. Just go to ESPN. If Yeah, if that's the case. Anything like that. I just think... Or if she wants to just work with her husband. They just seem like a totally different style. Like, he's definitely a different... He's not a materialistic person. You've seen that. Uh, also, one podcast with Talk is Jericho made him look like an unbelievably, like, relatable person. Go back and watch a Stone Cold. It ruined... D- the Dean Ambrose character was ruined that night because they pushed too hard on it. He didn't bring it up, but he did say one comment in there. He said, I hate when people, especially Attitude Era people, tell us that we're scared to be fired. We gotta push harder. That's exactly what Stone... He was basically calling out Stone Cold. And it was probably, Oh, yeah, he was. But, but I he, mean... Because Stone Cold was trying to call Oh, man, you gotta go in there and do more. He's like, you don't freaking know what it's like now. Well, he does and he doesn't. I think to your point about he's not a materialistic guy, at the end of the day, Dean Ambrose didn't go out there and just cut a promo out of nowhere. He wouldn't have been fired. I think he, but I don't, you don't know that. Like, we don't know that. But money doesn't matter to him. But my point is, nobody on the entire card, because he said at the end of the day, they're the boss. I'm the employee. I went out there and just did the best I could. Oh, I totally agree. So that's why he is in a spot where you even said it. Like, we're not in that spot. He's a top 10 guy. If he wanted to, he could have went out there and taken the heat. But the the thing is, and maybe this is his reasoning, and I'm just putting words in his mouth at this point. Even if he did it and it was great, the next week they would take credit. Like, I've seen this happen over and over and over again. Once something gets a little bit hot, everybody wants to get their meat hooks in it and make it their idea. Well, that's what Dean Ambrose's whole character was. He said, he goes, I was not supposed to have t shirt. Mm -hmm. There was no plan. I get over in that feud with Seth. Next thing you know, I'm people there's merchandise it's selling well that Austin 316 was not a written script and I don't know if he brought this up or or maybe it was Jericho on here he said Austin 316 the next day they were smart enough to be like when they saw the signs let's make t-shirts mm-hmm. think about it the Austin push everyone that's where I think it starts when I think of Austin but like he didn't get a push like think about SummerSlam 96 real quick one of the worst paper oh 95 might be the worst but SummerSlam 96 was Shawn Michaels Vader like I couldn't even tell you what Stone Cold did he wasn't a big part I of mean, it. I mean, you think of a lot of the stars. Stone Cold kind of got it organically. The Rock got yep. it organically. For All being the big ones. And then being in the nation. And once he got on the mic, people were just like, we like this guy. Well, first it was die, Rocky, die. You're terrible. Yeah, yeah. When he was Rocky Maivia. But when he came back. Then he came back. Yeah. Farouk was supposed to be the guy they were launching. And they all said, just when Rock got on the mic, the crowd was just like, we like this guy. Entranced. They were just, oh, I got to hear this. Yeah. And that's all it takes. Because you know what? The Rock was has natural charisma. And here's the problem. Dean Ambrose, natural charisma. Some of these guys have it. They just are not allowed to. He clearly has it from this podcast. Watching Roman Reigns on, I've said it a million times at this point, watching him on the countdown shows, he is a naturally just cool fucking gravitating towards type of guy, and they don't let him be it. No, because the only promo that Roman Reigns has ever said that made me feel anything, and obviously there's many reasons why, but was when he said he had leukemia. And here's why, though, because he actually dropped everything. He wasn't trying to be cool. Even since he's come back, he still has this little bit of, like, trying to be cool swagger to him. Like, enough. Like, he's the guy if ever, and I wanted them to ask, and this was all about Dean and I thought he did a good job he didn't throw anybody under the bus because mm-hmm. if there was one guy he probably could have had the back of it was Roman Reigns I mean, he could have said like they screw that guy over but he didn't 
you've interviewed people, I've interviewed people, not to like tune around horns, but that's no, part of what right. we do. Yeah. But when you're, especially for video, when they have to do something that you're going to put out later, you're trying to get them as natural as possible. Yes. People get their radio voice or they get their TV voice. I work voice. with people every day and I'm trying to do that. So it's one of those things where you have to get the person at a comfortability level where like you feel like you're having a conversation with them and they're not like, oh, well, you know, I really like this job because it's a job that blah, 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 blah. No. You need to just be like, how would you talk to your mom about your job? Like, what do you say when you say you work at this company? Oh, you know what I mean? It's it's more relaxed. It's more conversational. It's more casual. Those guys aren't going out and delivering promos like that, except for when they hit the character. Like Kofi, yeah. like Becky, like the people of the Attitude Era that they always said they tapped into their characters. That's where WWE needs to go. But he's saying, I get the script from what I call a writer. Mm -hmm. And he's telling me how I feel. And I'm doing air quotes right now. You can't see it on a podcast. But... Like, that's what they don't get. You can have writers if the talent is working with them, if that's the way you want to go. If you want it to be like, all right, these are the points you need to hit. These are the key phrases. But, like, we want it to be your own words. Because that's why Eminem was so good in 8 Mile. Because it was his fucking life story. The great point. And the other part of it is, though, aside from this, is, is the talent. Some of the talent, whether it's on television, like, you watch TV shows, all this stuff all the time. You can clearly see when you're watching something, and wrestling is just a really bigger you know obviously that's the audience we're talking to but like the bigger issue with wrestling is that you can be exposed much easier on a live television or oh, yeah. taped but like watching tv shows you see when it's like this person that was a horrible scene like you see it a little bit more as we get older and you can see things that are really good compared to not so good if you watch wrestling you can tell the people that are really like you just said like that are into their character and will yeah. pull it off like dean ambrose we this whole thing is him, about him those crappy promos with the doctor shooting the stuff at him he still went out there and sounded like believable yeah because i thought he was like oh yeah i'll do this, this is a great idea yeah you probably thought he was part of it yeah. which he wanted to be a heel just didn't want it to be that way but you see guys like we we don't even have to name names you watch the Miz. wrestling oh he goes out and he crushes his baby he face does promos. but i just he is like gotta be a heel he, he does, but he goes out there, and I'm a believable. Like he gives a believable performance. Yeah, because he's good. And then there's, you know who's a perfect example of someone that I don't believe is a heel? Uh, Lacey Evans. Nope. I don't know who's like the number one heel in WWE right now for some reason. Brock Lesnar. Nope. He's he's like a lovable guy now. Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon. I fucking hate him. And I love Shane McMahon. I, I appreciate everything he's done. He's crazy, but this heel character is it's so it's dumb. Fucking it's just dumb. It, people don't really care. Like I know they're booing him, but that's fine. But like right now, I think we can put a bow at least on the Dean Ambrose thing. If you have anything else, say add it. But right now, this shows where WWE is at. Like Shane McMahon is one of your top heels in 2019. He's being, and again, they said it on the Jabberknocker. Cheers. And you went at uh, JC. We went on uh, back and forth online about you saying he was a heel, and we said he was a channel changer. He's a fucking channel changer. Shane McMahon. Yeah. Well, I just meant heel channel change. Like I forget what I said, but he. he well, you know what? I can't. I'm not going to tell anybody what to change yeah. or not to oh, change. Yeah. But I will say Shane McMahon not worth investment in He's character. Terrible. He's right? such a bad. You know who else is? I know everybody loves him, and I'm a huge fan as the person. The Baron Corbin oh, character, no, he is like the absolute, if you say you like him, and I'm not saying this directly to you or yeah. to people that do. Oh, do I shit on people all the time. he is not, he's a channel changer at this point. Oh, I love him. Here's the reason why, though. It's not his fault. It's never, never the talent's fault. I don't even blame Shane McMahon. I do. It's writer's creative, but Baron Corbin has been consistently at the top of these, like, card for some reason, and during, like, this worst time in, like, WWE ratings history, 
he needs to be in like a nice lower mid card feud for us to believe him. Oh, I believe that about ninety nine percent of like, the people. This is so unbelievable. But I bad. find him more entertaining to watch than like I can't watch Shane McMahon. I just fast That's forward fine. right past that segment every time. It's so insufferable. He, I was so excited when Baron Corbin became like basically corporate Kane. Yeah, and replaced them. I was like, I'm kind of into this. This gives him characters. It is now talk about something that's run its course and like like a dog chasing its tail. He is good when he's on the mic. He is good when he has something to like say and be a part of something. But this like lazy, like we're gonna keep throwing him in main events. He's the one challenging Seth Rollins for the title. He's like, I get he's the cheap heat guy right now. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's like then we need to do something. We need to evolve. Like he doesn't he doesn't seem intimidating. He doesn't see like he's there's nothing about his character right now aside from the fact that the, he's introduced every time he's like wherever like, is point. he gonna be called Saudi Arabia's favorite son oh that would be hilarious Ooh, you don't want that anymore but I just I'm over him now like I'm like okay now put him in a different place like him and Elias are two heels they're gonna like polar opposite Elias mine as well like he is he's and I love Elias love, me too love, love, love. Like, the, I, he is reaching to me Dolph Ziggler levels of ooh, never coming back from oh being awesome no, like just your character has been butchered so bad for so long, and you've been like you. Your first belt was the twenty four seven belt. R I P, buddy. You're, I know that's you, a tough. Now you're in a stable that's not really a stable with Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. You you guys. There's another guy. You guys are done. You're, well, th- th- this show you're, is, you are dead to me. And this shows they have too many. There's too much talent on the roster. You don't need those guys together. Like Baron Corbin, somehow always involved with Bobby Lashley. Like they they should not be near each other. They're actually that might be the anchor for both them they might be pulling each other down they're all we're that, not getting that Bobby Lashley uh, Elias Drew McIntyre all of them oh, and they're super talented guys like none of them are that's the thing there's there's no like oh my god I can't believe this guy's even in the company it's just they're pulling each other down and this is where I see AEW and having a smaller roster and having like guys that are now going to be able to do what they want like if WWE said just one night if they do an old school Raw again which I, I would like love three it is, but oh, they just look seven years you know, well no it was uh, it's a long years. time but either way if they just do one of those old school Raws out and they actually just said let's see what you do go out and get it All, everybody tonight but they and and dean has said this on the podcast and i've seen it in real life job justification that is like oh. the biggest thing that i see where it's you insane. have to let it go and i think they've just probably built in so many jobs where people actually kind of feel like they have to justify their job you know what? that's a really good point but though, job justification you- is everywhere when he talked about how the means, and he didn't get into numbers, and I've heard Bruce Pritchard talk about it in the past, they probably, in on their entire writing staff, probably have, what, 40 people? If that's the case, they need to fire. But I'm just guessing. Like, they have two yeah, shows. I have no idea. Then you have, forget NXT, we'll take that out of it. They probably have about 40 people in that creative process. Yeah. When you really think about that, Raw itself should have maybe 10, and maybe SmackDown 10. Just I mean, so you can have know, consistency. Yeah. I don't know what the workflow is, but it needs to be like... A creative brain trust talking to the talent, figuring and, out, like, the show. Yeah, and the one thing I want to say about Dolph Ziggler is I hope for his sake this is just a one-off. You know, this is a quick little feud for Kofi. Put on a good match in front of Saudi Arabia. Get himself a payday. Because after hearing CM Punk, after now hearing Dean or John Moxley talk, it sounds to me like Vince McMahon picked up the phone. Dolph, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah. We need you in Saudi Arabia. Yep. Uh, no, Vince, I'm not doing it. I'll pay you, we'll just say, ten grand. No, Vince, I won't do it. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm doing these comedy things. Oh, hey, Val. Let me get back to you. Yeah, 50 yeah. grand. And he just keeps up and it's 100 grand. Who the hell knows? He got Shawn Michaels out of time. That, and this is, what it, this is what it feels like. So Dean Ambrose, the craziest thing about the whole thing, maybe this could be the one thing I, we didn't even touch on. 
He got 500 bucks on that oh. last night to do a special around his exit. exit. And the whole thing about how they did the the uh, press release about him leaving without him even knowing. See, the biggest thing to me, like, that that also was huge where, like, uh, that, that was what I talked to my buddy, my barber all the time, who's a huge wrestling fan like that. He's like, that's never, ever, 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 ever happened. But to me, the biggest thing is, and I just forgot what I was going to say. No, but <laughs> when they put that press release out, it just shows it's like they wanted oh, to be ahead of the yeah. game. The Vince McMahon, and we all know somebody like this, going, I didn't know you were unhappy. Oh, you should have came and talked to me. Like, I had no idea. I People were telling me, like, there are so many people that I know that when you talk to them, they just pretend like, and he knows. He, and Dean said it. Like, he is such a, like, just listening to him, he's such a savvy guy. He was like, he just needs to justify it in his own mind. So he's saying to himself, so he can sleep at night, because he's just one of those guys who wants to be able to look himself in the mirror like, huh. He didn't come to me. This wouldn't have been a problem. Like, um, and he's probably telling Triple H the same thing. He's telling Shane, Stephanie, his wife, everybody. Like, hey, you know, if he talked to me, we, we could have solved this. It's I know he had a little bit of issues, but I didn't know it was this bad. Yeah, like I hate. Like he is. He is so that guy. So that guy. And it's it's the worst thing you can be as a person who's not self-aware that to me like not self-aware where you're like self-conscious but just self-aware of your surroundings how you are treating people and like the way you treat other people and like the disrespect that he has for his employees by the way he does that kind of stuff from the things he makes them do like the lack of like influence from them it's ridiculous so i i agree and now like you've probably gone to your boss like if i ever went to my boss tomorrow and i put in my two weeks and he if he ever said i had no idea you were unhappy like it would be insane oh yeah but it's like you, like you said, they only and they only want to worry about so much every day, and it's hard to be. I'm not gonna pretend like Vince McMahon. I'm not envious of him, but I think two things coming off of this Moxley podcast with Jericho again. Go listen to it and listen to it. I've listened to it like three times because it's only an hour and a half, so it's, yeah. it's good for me, especially my rides to work. But I will say this: that he, I think, is setting the standard for what we're going to see more of. So if you right now were to think you're in WWE, if you just pick five names of guys that you think you're going to leave in a mo- in a Moxley way. Just wait for the contract to end, whether it's AEW or another company, just to see, like, what's out there. Who do you think those five... Like, who are five people, or at least you'd want to see leave? Dolph, because maybe he can get a reset, even though I don't really believe in him. Um, Bobby Roode. It's a nice backwards yeah. uh, compliment. Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode, Dolph. Um, honestly, Bray Wyatt. Even though mm-hmm. he could probably save WWE, just get him out because he's a super creative guy in his own. Uh, and then Daniel Bryan, and Ooh. then either Sami Zayn or the Usos. So Daniel Bryan's an interesting one because there was rumors that he wasn't re-signing this last contract. If he didn't, let's just say, AEW wasn't announced yet. I wonder if it was like a year difference, if things would have changed. Also, his wife is involved. So there was a lot of family ties. And that's another reason I think about Michael WWE. Keaton? What? Oh, Family ties? No, Keaton, no, Michael. Uh, oh, Michael um, J. Fox. Thank you. Uh, Michael Alex Keaton. There you go. Family name. So anyway, so the, the thing that makes me interested is like, WWE, why do you think they celebrate Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins together? Because like, they want them to stay. Exactly. And they want to say like, hey, look at you guys. This is where you're happy. This is where it should be. So I thought about that as well as part of this. But for me, the guys I want to see leave, if if they want to, if their possibility is out there for them to go somewhere else. Shinsuke Nakamura is my number one because I think he's been completely yeah. – ta- yeah, but see, like you say that, but, like when you go yeah. back a couple years, this guy was the best. Like in NXT, he was outstanding, all these guys. Another one, I don't know if it will happen, Tyler Breeze. Yeah, I mean – Him already going back to NXT, I'm so I excited mean, for yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then, uh, just quickly, Bobby Roode, I would go agree with you, just as like a short run to go help a company like that. Um, Rusev. 
I think he has proven that he can get I things over. And I think need he's su- Rusev Day out of this fucking company. I think he's super talented. I'd like to see him maybe get some freedom. And I'm just going to take like a random one, like a UHA Nation and return back to the indies with... Who? um, uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, why can't I think of his <laughs> Apollo Cruz. Apollo Cruz. I just, those are guys that just yeah. pop in my head. Obviously, Luke Harper, I'd love to see it. Maybe, you know, because he was out there and he want, he basically doesn't want to be there. And then like revival the tag teams. But I don't know. It's fascinating. I think, you know, this was just a different type of podcast for us. Just kind of more conversating around that John Moxley thing. I'm super excited for AEW. All we know that's lined up for now is the Firefly Festival. They have fight. I think that's what it's called. Then they have uh, All Out, which will be coming in August. Yep. And then we're going to have the TV show debuting sometime in September. 